Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. What's poppin'? Real ones. Logan Murdoch here. Raja Bell there. Raja, last time we had this guest on... You started the podcast by G-checking him about trading you. So I'm going to just give you the honors. Um, I'm just going to give you the honors of, of, of introducing our next guest. What's up? Yeah. No, I, you, you do the intro. I mean, he's, he's – I mean, look. it's uh, We put it behind us, though. That was, you know, we're – yeah. We yeah, put it behind us okay. that last podcast. Right. It's water under yeah. many bridges. Um, <laughs> hot, hot off of another NBA championship. And – I got a thousand questions to ask Steve Kerr, okay, towards our guest. Okay. First, foremost, and most importantly, and I really, I probably burned it pre-pod, but I really want to know, since I've never met Logan, right? (laughs) How fucking annoying is Logan? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, I've only got him in the... (laughs) I'm really curious. It was just, it was a, it felt like a relief when he you know, went off of the, the beat, the Warriors beat and, you know, and left to the ringer where it's like, I, I kind of saw him from afar rather yeah. than seeing him every mm. day. So it's um, maybe it's just that, you know, Logan is a, a dish best served once a week rather than daily. Does that make oh, yes. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. can't eat escargot every night. Right. Not every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Logan, are you there? I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear that shit. Um, (laughs) uh, Steve, who is, um, you know, a lot of things, but also is a um, officiator of weddings. Steve, Um, I heard through the grapevine that you are coming off the heels of um, officiating a wedding in Montana. Is that true? This is true. This is true. Nick Uren, who is in our uh, front office, uh, who I actually hired in Phoenix way back in, I think, 2008 or 2009. Just after I got traded. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. I thought we were, my bad. I'm sorry. It was actually, it was, it was Nick's <laughs> suggestion that we make that trade. God, so uh, God yeah, dog it, Nick. Blame him. Uh, but no, Nick, Nick uh, was, came to Golden State in, in 2014, you know, when I got the coaching job and he was on our coaching staff for five or six years. Now he's in management and a great friend. So he asked me, he and his fiance Casey asked me to to marry them, which was a huge honor and um, pretty nerve wracking, I must say. So I, I pulled I pulled it off. It was last Saturday in Montana, and all went all went relatively smoothly. So we're good. That was going to actually be my question of the addresses that you've have you've had to have given, um, and the performances that you've had to make standing up in front of thousands of people, Steve. Like how how nerve wracking was it? <laughs> Well, that and and my daughter's wedding, which was a month ago, doing the father of the bride speech. 
Those mm-hmm. were the two, you know, the, the two big ones this, this summer and uh, different from, you know, doing a post-game interview with people like Logan. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, congrats, by the way. That's pretty cool. It was, it was, no, it was really cool. My, my daughter's wedding, like, uh, that, that's, uh, uh, you know, my son got married a, a year ago, which was really special, but there's something about daughters. It's, yeah. it's different. It's different. And so very, very emotional and, uh, and beautiful. And, uh, so yeah, it's been a big summer. Logan, I didn't get to know them well. Congrats again, Steve. But I mean, they were in their teens when, when we were doing like training camp out in, in San Diego and stuff like that, man, it's crazy how time flies. That's nuts. Yeah. San Diego is a pretty, pretty good spot for training. Roger, do you remember when we would, uh, Aaron Nelson would take the whole team out into the ocean after practice for like water therapy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a way to get ready for the NBA season. That'll, that'll cleanse your soul. I love Aaron and Jess, man. I, 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 I follow them on, on different social platforms and stuff like that. He's doing really good. Hey, hey, so let me ask you, Steve, about, cause I haven't been around an NBA team in a while. How much of what those guys were doing as a training staff in, in Phoenix that was so like cutting edge in terms of preventative and, and uh, the soft tissue work and stuff like that is just normal now. Is that, is that just prevalent across the league? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much what everybody believes. And I, I agree with you. I think Aaron and and his staff in Phoenix were um, cutting edge and kind of at the forefront of of what you're seeing now. And and what's been added really is um, all of the monitoring that goes on, Um, you know, players wearing the catapult system where um, the training staff can keep track of, of everything, you know, heart rate and load and all that stuff. Um, we also have the cameras in every arena now. So um, at the end of every game, you can see the training staff will actually look at all this data, you know, how much movement guys covered, the speed in which they covered covered it, and um, how that translates to fatigue and, and uh, you know, potential risk for injury and when they might need a day off. It, it's, it's amazing the amount of information that we have now that we, we didn't have you know, back when, when I played and that we were starting to get, I think, you know, when, when you were in Phoenix. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty remarkable. Um, I, sorry, Logan, like, you know how I get, man, but I got another question about yeah. that. Like he loves you, you, Steve. He loves you, you guys. Steve. This is when he, this is what he does during the interviews that he loves with the people. No, man, I miss, I miss, Logan. I miss being talks. around it a little bit, man. I do. So I might like how much of what you guys get from all of that information and data compiled how much of it goes into like the plan for X player? And then how strictly do you guys kind of stick to that plan versus kind of go by the gut and try to win games? You know, is it case by case or are you truly on the numbers? Like, Hey man, it says we got to sit them. So we're sitting them. Like how, how are you guys approaching that? Well, it really dictates how we practice. Um, and it usually matches up pretty well. Like, you know, as a coach, I mean, it's your job to pace your team and to understand the the rigors of the, of the journey. And so most days when I come in and I'm thinking we need a light practice, most days when that happens, the training staff will tell me, hey, we need a light practice. So we're really, you know, the numbers are kind of backing up what I already think. Um, as far as games, we, we go over – before the season even starts, we look at the load that's potentially going to be on every player. And then there's a couple of games that kind of make some sense where it's like, hey, this is uh, a massive load on the schedule here over the previous two weeks. You know, this would be a good night for someone to to take the night off. Um, But then it's all up up to circumstances. You know, if, if somebody has missed a couple of games, now, all of a sudden, the circumstance changes and, and you know, you, you readjust on the fly. But we do have a decent idea of, of how we want to handle our, our older guys and you know, how we want to give them a night off occasionally. Yep. Um, Steve, with this uh, iteration of the roster, you guys are coming off of a, a title, which you guys have said is unexpected. It kind of reminds me, honestly, of um, when you were with the 96 Bulls and like the next year, right? You know, you guys have a year off. Based or two years off, basically of circumstance. Um, you know, you guys are going into this season where you guys are defending a title. May I don't know if it's expectedly or unexpectedly, but how are you seeing how you're going to coach this season? What do you What are you looking to 
What do you think that this season is going to bring in terms of how you need to coach it? Well, I think it'll be an extension from last season, but with the knowledge of how good we can be. You know, last year we had this plan to develop our young guys, you know, Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, Jordan Poole. And we we thought, you know, we can get back into contention for a title, but we didn't really know. Um, we knew Clay was going to come back. So we felt like we could do both. And as it turned out, obviously we ended up, you know, winning the title. And, you know, so this year is really an extension of that. We still need to develop those young guys because our older guys are, you know, they're, they're on the back nine now of their careers. And, but the knowledge of, Hey, we, we just want a championship. We know how to do this. I think it gives us a little more confidence in the plan, you know, going forward that um, as long as we're healthy and functioning well, going into the postseason, like we, we can do this again. So I don't know if a lot of, you know, listeners know, and I don't know if you guys even philosophically still do it, Steve, but like at exit interviews, you know, when a season would be over, you'd go in, you'd sit with your GM and your coach, especially when you were one of these young players that Steve's talking about. And, you know, there would be like, hey, Raj, look, you, you did X, Y, and Z. Here's where we see you. Here's what we'd ideally like you to progress at and get better at, spend, spend some time focusing on this in the summer. So as it pertains to these young guys, Steve, and I don't know if you feel comfortable, but like, what do you see each one of them in, in terms of their development? What's the next step? that you'd guys like to see them take? Yeah, I mean, each one is different. You know, Jordan Poole took a leap last year and right. became a really high-level player. And so, you know, his his next step is to become a better two-way guy. You know, he's a, he's a really dynamic offensive player. He's much stronger and more athletic than I think people realize, uh, even maybe more than he realizes. So can he become a two-way guy like Clay Thompson? You know, that's his next step. And you go down the list and each guy sort of has, um, you know, his things that he's got to improve upon. And for Wiseman, it's really about getting healthy, you know, missing all of last year. Um, he just needs to play. And good thing is he's had a great summer. He's been, you know, playing pickup every day. His knee's doing great. There's going to be a natural progression with him because he's a, a big man. Big guys usually take longer to develop. And he just needs reps, um, but more than anything, he needs to be healthy. So that's that's for him. I, I could keep going down the list, but we need to do all this within the context of trying to win games and trying to you know prepare ourselves for the playoffs too. So it's not an easy task because there are right. going to be nights where these guys you know play a lot. There's going to be nights where they don't play as much, and you know we got to keep it all going. You talk. You referenced Wiseman, and I think the last time uh, you were on the pod, Wiseman was. In the midst of the up and down rookie year, right? It would show really great spurts. Uh, I remember that dunk in, in Detroit where he just goes full court and he just slams and it just looks mm -hmm. like something we, we haven't really seen before out of a center on your roster. But right now, what what are your what are the reasonable expectations for him this season in your eyes, right? Because he hasn't played a lot of basketball, but he does show spurts when he can. What is, what is a reasonable expectation from him if you want to win a title this season? Well, I mean, to be fair uh, to him and to to Loon, you know, Loon's our starting five. I mean, he's a he's a championship mm -hmm. player. He's won multiple rings. He's proven in the playoffs that he can switch and guard almost anybody out there, uh, and also has the wherewithal to to be really effective offensively because of his knowledge, his screen setting, his recognition of patterns, all that. So, you know, realistically, uh, Wise will back up um, Loon. But Wise has the capability to do some things that Loon can't, um, you know, number one being a, you know, a lob threat. Um, so we've got to put Wise in a position where, you know, he can be diving to the rim, giving us that vertical spacing that we haven't had maybe since JaVale was here. He runs the floor beautifully. Biggest thing for, for James is, um, you know, he has the capability to be a, a, a really dominant defender with his size and, and speed and uh, but it's it takes a ton of reps and uh, so we're going to be asking him to to defend and and uh, run the floor and be that lob threat and no doubt in my mind he's going to get better and better as the season goes on and he's got a he's got a great future. I got two. I have two questions. Um, the first would be they're both about vets though. The, the Andrew Wiggins piece um, when he came over to you guys. I I actually thought it was a great trade and I thought it was one of those situations where because of maybe what was in Minnesota and and 
how that had weighed on him. I thought that he'd kind of be refreshed and with the culture you guys had in place would actually be really, really good. And it turned out that he was integral to like the success last season. How quickly did you guys see that like in the practice environment? Was there a, was there a, you know, progression to that or did he hit the bricks and just, you were like, yes, this is the piece, you know, that we've been missing. It was somewhere in between that Raja. I mean, he played about 15 games that first year when we traded for him and then the pandemic hit and our season got uh, cut short. But during those 15 games, he was really good defensively. And we had just lost all of our wing defenders, you know, Iguodala, Livingston, Mm -hmm. Kevin, you know, Clay was injured. So we had uh, very little size and athleticism on the wing. And so it was a, it was really a, a positional trade, it made a lot of sense, um, but we were all really pleasantly surprised um, at how good he was defensively right away. I think over the last couple of years, what's happened is he's understood his role better and better as he played next to Steph and he played next to Clay. And, and we sort of our team kind of uh, reformed, you know, after all the injuries. And then it was really clear to him by the end of last year, like, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Uh, lock people. I'm going to be, I'm going to guard the best guy. I'm going to put pressure on him with my athleticism and length all game. And then I'll be a secondary scorer, you know, after Steph, after Clay. And, and he played that role perfectly. I mean, he was so good in the playoffs, uh, guarding Luca, guarding Jason Tatum, yeah. uh, guarding a jaw, guarding, you know, some of the best players in the league. So love Wiggs. He's an amazing guy to coach and a great teammate. And I, I really feel like he's found, kind of his perfect role here. That's awesome. My my next question, it kind of ties into it's about Clay, obviously, and kind of that catastrophic type of injury. And I've always kind of thought that that was kind of a two-year, like you're back in a year, but it takes you, you know, another six to nine months to really get back. And first of all, is he, how's he, how's he looking? I assume he's looking great. And then secondly, specific to the playoffs, and and he was a little hot and cold. And it looked to me like he was just maybe rushing a little bit, maybe because he had been off for so long. Is that, is, is, did you guys see that? And how's he looking now? Well, he's been in, uh, in Orange County uh, all summer, which is, you know, his summer home and, and uh, been training down there. So we, we, we've had great reports uh, from him and, and uh, his brother who's on our staff and in player development now, Mikey, Um, everything's gone really well. I think Clay's in a great place. We've texted, uh, this summer, I know he's had a, a lot of fun watching his brother hit home runs for the Dodgers. Like you know, that's, a, <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's a happy family right now, you know, and, and uh, a lot of success going on, a lot of joy. And um, it's just so great to see Clay back and doing what he loves to do. And I agree with you, Roger. I think, um, you know, now that he's had uh, half a season under his belt and a full summer of preparation for camp, I think, I think he'll have a much more consistent um, year this year. How uh, important was Mikey last year for you guys? Um, because he was, uh, he wasn't officially on staff, but he was, you know, playing in pickup games, trying to get Clay back right and things like that, just around a lot. Did that help us just get ease him back into the fold midseason in the way that you guys were able to? What was the adjustment when he got, when Clay got back? Well, we, um, you know, one of the, if people out there who are watching don't, don't know this, uh, what, what's going on in the league nowadays is, pretty much every team's got four or five guys on the development staff who are capable of playing pickup. Cause what happens is, you know, season starts, you got approximately five guys who don't play much who aren't in the rotation. And on that next day, when you have a, you know, in between games, those five guys need to play, but you need more bodies. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so we like every team now, we specifically hire development coaches who can still play. Mikey played for Santa Cruz for our G League team for years. He still plays for the Bahamian uh, Bahamian national team. Uh, So he can still play. And the fact that he knows Clay better than any of us, uh, he made made it a perfect uh, hire to to bring Mikey aboard. So that's been, he's been a really good addition. And and we've got other young guys too, who are out there playing pickup, you know, with all our young guys every day in between games. And uh, it's a, it's a component to the NBA that didn't used to exist that, that now is pretty, pretty much commonplace. So Logan, my, my pickup games, listen, bro. Oh, three. All right. Oh, three Dallas Mavericks. Matter of fact, Steve Kerr broke our effing hearts that year. Um, he yeah. was with San Antonio and made like, what was it? Like that five was old ass Steve. Steve Kerr too, man. That he, was. He, 
I was holding Steve. I'm like, yo, Nelly, we're just gonna we're just gonna sit in this damn zone and let him torch us. Let me get some of that, man. Nelly was like, no, two, three, double fist, double fist. Um, But art, like that, what he's talking about is like we, you know, I played sometimes, didn't play other times, and you'd go downstairs. It was like Rolando Blackman. We had we had a staff. Ro could still play a little bit, but to stay in shape, it would be a pickup game with like me, Popeye Jones. Avery Johnson, Tariq Abdul-Wahad. It'd be like five of mm. us and Rolando Blackman trying to get a run in, you know? I I, I got to take it one step further, Raja, because yeah. when I played early in my career, you know, we had two assistant coaches and that was it, you know? And so you didn't have anybody even to rebound. So, you know, practice would end. I'm not kidding. We would actually scrimmage with the media. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's great. <laughs> so you would scrimmage with somebody like me? That, that's would, a, yeah, okay. So, and Logan, I would have busted your ass. Yes. I mean, I would. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, you would have done so much for my confidence. But we literally used to have we used to have pickup games. Literally, would be like the four or five guys who weren't in the rotation. It's wow. in Cleveland, in the old Richfield Coliseum on the fifth floor. Our practice site. The media would be there, you know, doing post practice stuff, and then it'd be like. All right, who's in? You know, the guy who just interviewed me is now guarding me. You know, and that's that's, that's fantastic. How we had to stay. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there've been plenty of times where I've asked Steve some shit. I actually a little story time. I remember uh, when I was at NBC. It was before Clay. Like there was some speculation that Clay was going to come back. I remember that Steve after the finals, he was going to come back mm-hmm. and play after he. I think he hurt his knee, and I, I we had like a sit down, and I asked Steve like, is is is, is Clay going to play? And Steve was like, on record, he was like, nah. And then it just became this whole thing to start the season. And then the next, the next day, Steve says, blame Logan for everything. All the, all yeah. the, everything that yeah. went off the whole thing. I'm sure he wanted it. Ta- it was on the basketball court. I'm sure he wanted to take me one on one right after that. I was yeah. like, I, 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 remember, I, I think, you remember that? I, think I usually get in trouble when I, uh, when I'm talk to me. either go on your podcast with you guys or mm. talk to you, you know, I think things just get a little too comfortable and then I end up, uh, mm. you know, yeah. saying something that ends up a headline. So my, my guard is up today. Last time you got, you got a little, we got a little, I, last time we'll talk about that, but last time we got a little real. Yes. Um, yeah. I feel like one person that we that had a hell of a, a, a summer who's we've been, been talking a lot. He just had like a Rolling Stone. I don't know who he is right now. He had a Rolling Stone cover. Steph, it was a different Steph last year that I've been used to seeing, right? It was like Steph always talked a little shit, but it was a little bit more just like um, from Steph last year. What was the biggest difference you saw? And and what were you got? What you guys say, Rob? No, I want you to finish, but I want to give you your flowers because you said multiple times in the process that Steph was on that, and I was saying, no, 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 Steph's not on that. Like Steph's just you know locked in doing what he does, and Logan always maintained, no, Steph's got a point to prove. And yeah. that, yeah. that, so I want to give you your flowers because it, it seemed in retrospect Thanks, like bro. he did. Yes. Thanks, bro. What, what was what was Stefan? He looked like 50 Cent. He had he was buff a little bit. He gained a little some pounds. He was in the weight room. What kind of Steph was was Steph last year? Well, you got to understand the guy's a killer. You know, he is a killer. And, and people always look at him as the joyful guy who's, you know, he's uh, knocking down these half court shots and shimmying. And, but he is an absolute killer. And like all killers. You know, whether you're talking, uh, you know, Michael Jordan or, you know, um, Tim Duncan, you know, guys show it in a different way. You know, Timmy, Timmy was a killer. We know that. But he, you know, you you knew it with Michael. But with Steph, you you know, if you don't really know him, you may not understand his competitiveness. And two years of not being in the playoffs and, uh, you know, multiple years of people saying, you know, well, he's never won finals MVP. That, you know, he used every bit of that to motivate himself, um, as great players tend to do. And and he was on a mission all last year. And I think once the playoffs started, you know, he he realized, man, we got a shot here, you know, and, and uh he was especially in that Boston series, boy, he was uh he was locked in. What game was that? Was that game that game five? Was that game you gotta game forgive four, me, man? Game four. Was the, was that the one where he came out and he was like screaming at the crowd and shit? Yeah, that was, was that like, was that oh, one, yes. Yeah, that was, oh, I said, yeah, that's different stuff for sure. Yeah. 
you know, we talked about like a lot of guys on the back nine of their careers right now. Not to say that they're, you know, by any means done. I'm just saying, you know, they're closer to the end than they yeah. are in the beginning. Steph's obviously the face of that. Where is he in his career? Like, do you do you think the finals was just a manifestation of him saying, yo, I only got a couple more of these left. I got a couple more shots at this thing. I need to take more. I need to take advantage of this moment. Do you see more, a more locked inness in him? Where do you see in him over um, going into this season? What, what, do you, what is your scouting report? Well, I think you're right. I mean, having been through the injury two years ago that, that kept him out all season and then, you know, not making the playoffs the next year, there was no doubt part of him was, you know, hey, we got to take advantage of these opportunities uh, when they come because there may not be many more. But having said that, the guy keeps himself in amazing shape. Um, he's been in the building, working out, training. He's ready to have another great year. Um, so he's one of those guys you don't necessarily put a clock on, you know, a little bit like our guy, Steve Nash. Like he's a he's a unicorn like you it wouldn't shock me at all if if Steph did what Steve did and and you know play at a high level till he was 40 years old but who knows we'll see how it all plays out yeah another another killer that doesn't come across like a killer yes. at a time um right. and i do think there's something i mean just off the top that i think was, well definitely in today's you know rehab and 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 just the, mm -hmm. the knowledge of how to treat your body and all the things that they're at their disposal now Steve was also very cutting edge with that in terms of diet mm -hmm. and and just prep and and uh, preventative type of stuff with Rick Rick Celebrini, I think it was at the time, right? Yeah. Um, He's on the Warriors staff, right, right, right. So like, but the fact that both of those guys play under the rim to a certain degree, like, and you're not just pounding the way that that a uh, that a above the rim type of point guard, I think speaks or to some maybe some longevity there. Um, I did have a question, man. I got lost in my own damn thoughts, but uh, oh, okay, here it is. What? How do you manage? <laughs> How do you manage, uh, Steve, um, when you're, you have a young burgeoning star in, let's say, Looney, and then you have uh, you know, Kaminga, who looks like he's ready, and then Jordan Poole was just fantastic, fantastic last year, and you've got to integrate these pieces, right? And from a coaching perspective, there are but so many balls. I mean, it's just the way it goes, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's Steph and Clay. Or you're but what, what is the philosophy that we're going to pick the tempo up even more? It's just ball movement, people movement. Like, how do you guys approach that? Yeah, I mean, we're we're always going to play a certain way, um, especially with Steph and Draymond. Those guys are really unique players, right? And they have a sixth sense between them. So you know, their high pick and roll game, their hit and handback game. You know, that's that's always going to be the best thing that we do. But you know, we we talked about Wiseman. You know, the the lob threat. You know, we'll we'll, we'll try to incorporate more of that into our game. Um, with Kaminga, he's such a dynamic athlete. Uh, he should be, a, you know, a late clock isolation guy who can a little bit like Kawhi or Paul George, who can get the ball on the elbow and create a shot. That's who ultimately we'd like to see JK become, but he's still very young and he's mm -hmm. got to, you know, develop and, and learn the game, learn his opponents, learn the league, all that stuff. But for me, the, um, the job is really about understanding every player's circumstances because every guy, you know this, like every guy comes in, maybe he's um, going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Maybe he's on a non-guaranteed trying to hang on to his career. Maybe he's Steph Curry and trying to, you know, play to this level that everybody expects. All of those things come with a ton of pressure. And so it's my job as a coach to understand those set of circumstances for each guy and you know, help each guy uh, kind of learn to navigate their circumstances within the context of what we're trying to do as a team. And that's, that's the job, you know, much more so than what play we're going to run, you know, I got you. Hey, who's JK's, who's JK's guy on your staff, Steve? Does he have a guy? Kenny Atkinson has worked with him really closely and, and uh, Kenny's done a great job. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting uh, the way the, the league works. Now you get, you know, with, a lot of these young lottery picks. Um, Wise was the second pick, JK the seventh pick. Most lottery picks go to teams that are rebuilding. Right. And so you throw them out there and you let them make their mistakes. But, you know, for, for us, we're obviously a, you know, a championship team. And so we're trying to develop these guys and win at the same time. And that doesn't always go hand in hand with, 
a lot of playing time. Sometimes it, it means it's, you know, learning some tough lessons. And so it takes a lot of uh, maturity for these young guys to have to go through that process, especially seeing their fellow draftees, in, you know, from that year playing 35 yeah. minutes a night and being named rookie of the year and all star, all that stuff. It's, it's not easy. So, but on the plus side, you're learning how to be a champion. You're learning how to win you know, from, from some of the best guys in the league. How is uh, JK adjusting to just being on this type of environment, right? Because he's, he's, you know, when he has a, normally with a rookie or a second year player, like if they have a bad summer league game, their teammate who's very, very popular, like Draymond Green is not like, is not publicly criticizing him, right? Or like if you go on first take, JK is getting criticized. How does he both like, how are you trying to make sure he has tunnel vision? I guess he's the guy that that is the one that everyone's talking about now. How does he how do you make sure that he has that and stays consistent in his role? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's communicating every day. You know, it's um, having, a you know, a, a mentor within the team. Andre Godala played that role last year. Hopefully he's going to play that role again this year if he decides to come back. Uh, it's daily lessons from. Steph and Draymond discussions. It's uh, the resources that we provide in terms of sports psychologists and, and uh, mindfulness uh, trainers, people who can help with this kind of thing. I think it's never been more difficult to be a pro athlete than right now because of social media, because of you know all the, the TV shows all day long uh, that are picking apart everything. There's just so much judgment. And as a young person, that's not easy to deal with. So it's our job to try to help them through all that. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. I feel like I ask you this like at least once a year. This is like my annual question for you. And I'm asking you this on the heels of the finals. Um, it's about Draymond Green and you did, you know, there were times the first time I'd ever seen you kind of have to bench him at a big, at a big moment. You did bring him back. I think it was game four. It was the game that Steph went off. You, you benched him, I think in like the seven minute mark or the six minute mark, you brought him back, brought him back and he was really good about it. And that seemed like the next evolution of you guys' relationship of having to do that. So I guess my question to you, the yearly question is, how is the relationship with Draymond Green? And how has it evolved to this point to where you can do something like that? He bounced back, be a good soldier about it, and you guys go win a title. What is, how, was, how did you guys get to that point? I just think uh, eight years of being together, we've built up a lot of trust together. He's the ultimate winner. If I'm you know, coaching a team trying to win a championship, I want Draymond Green on my team. Like that's what he does. He wins. 
And he brings an edge that is going to be there, whether it's a game, a practice, a shoot around. Um, I want that. And so part of that package includes uh, some confrontation and, and uh, you know, the occasional, uh, you know, argument. And, and I embrace that because I think that's part of what allows our team to play with an edge and play with the competitiveness that we need. And he and I have, you know, we've been through plenty and we trust each other and love each other. And uh, like I said, I, I I will take Draymond any day of the week and I hope he plays here his whole career. And I hope uh, I can coach him for as long as, as possible. Yeah. Well, what was that game for like, though? Bro, you you he ain't bench nobody. He chose to go in a different direction. I'm just okay? I'm asking so the did. question. He I'm did what was best question. for team. But I would say this, though, I think maturity not to not to. You didn't ask me the question, right? But there's some maturity from a player's perspective, like that that you gain. And when you are a winner, sometimes, like, and and I too agree that 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 Draymond is a consummate winner. Sometimes you gotta be big enough to say, "Hey, man, whoever that whoever's number got called is what it's gonna take right now." Like, and that doesn't mean that mine's not gonna get called again. But right now, in this moment, when all the chips are on the table, like Steve's the guy in that seat, he called that number, and I I gotta live with that. And it, you know, that that's part it of worked. it. Yeah, they won. They worked. Yeah, you guys know this too, and Raja, you you lived this on both ends. But you know, you go to you go to a group that clicks, you stay with that group. You know, and yeah. and even if Steph Curry is on the on the bench, if our group is going well, we're staying with that group, and you ride it out and, until uh, until you feel like the run is over. And uh, so, you know, when I made that sub, it wasn't. Like like Raja said, I wasn't benching Draymond. I was I was bringing Looney in. I was going to give Draymond a couple of minutes rest and bring him back for the stretch run. But we just got on a good run, and yep. so we we stayed with it. And and our vets understand that. That's the way we do it all regular season, and it's the only way to do it really. Because if a group's rolling and you and you go, no, I got to you know appease my starters and get them back in. Now you lose lose the whole team. You know right. you you have to reward groups that are playing well. Did I, did, I, did, I, did I skip that? Did, it, did you got anything, Ron? You want me? You, no, no, you, no, I, no. I thought, I thought it was, was. I thought it was a good. I mean, look, I, I, because I, I too watched that in real time, and when yeah. when when Steve made the move, right? Like, you know, you, you were like, okay, well, this is this is a pretty significant move right here, and then it it clicked, and so, you know, watching it, I could see why you would have that question, but then it, sitting back and watching it unfold and understanding why the pieces were moved on the chessboard, you're looking like as a coach. Like I can't speak for you necessarily, Steve, but I was watching the game. Like in that moment, you're you're trying to figure out what lineup is gonna get this done. Like what pieces can I move? And it can't be personal and it can't be feelings. I mean, we're we're greater good. It's collective right here, right? So when you find what's working, hey baby, we're we're rolling. And then, you know, we'll figure it out after the game and come right back and, and do it again next time. I I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up with you two guys here. Um we're talking about the Robert Sarver has been um, investigation has concluded on him and, and a lot of different things have come out in terms of, you know, racist, misogynist and sexist things that have happened. Remember, Steve, you, you did come out with a quote earlier in the season, last season, talking about how you had never seen that. Now, seeing the investigation come out, what is your response to that? And what do you think? What, do you, what, what is your overall response to, to what has come out um, from that investigation? Well, um, as I said, um, you know, back when when I was uh, asked about it months ago and I was interviewed for uh, for the investigation, I never saw anything that that suggested racism. What I saw was, um, you know, stuff that was inappropriate. And I think there's a difference. Um, But my perspective versus, you know, your perspective as an African-American male, like th- it could be two different perspectives because, you know, we are we are different people. So what I you know, what I see might be totally different or might be a different perspective from what you would, would think. So I, I just think that everybody is in a really difficult spot, including Adam Silver. Um, when you make a decision like this, if you're the commissioner. There's a ton of le- legal ramifications. Is there enough? Is there enough there to do, you know, what you did with Donald Sterling and, you know, eliminate somebody from the league? And Adam Silver's mind, there was not. And that's what he said. And, uh, you know, I think I respect what the league 
the way the league carries itself, the way the league handles things. Uh, Adam and and our whole league have always been really at the forefront of of social justice movements and supportive of players and coaches. I have a lot of faith in the league, and I know how difficult that whole situation was for for Adam. So this uh this is one of those where, where there's no there's no easy answer. Yeah, I've said this before as well, Steve. I I was never in a situation with with Robert where I witnessed any racism or felt like he was being racist towards me or anything like that. I've I've always said, not not unlike what you just said. I, I just had a I had encounters with him that at times were just a little maybe tactless. Like, and I, I've gone as far as to say I don't think he's in the minority when you're dealing with a a group of like super uber wealthy you know people who are probably used to like you're probably going to run across that you know and and so you know Adam Silver is in a really really tough spot like that to, to your point like really tough spot and I think people can be disappointed uh, so I've heard some people that say they're disappointed in the outcome on both sides of it but at the at the end of the day you have to trust the commish um, that what he was able to find legally um, supports what what you know the ruling that he came down with so. You know, it's a it's a tough situation, but I I I will say again, I Robert Sarver, I never witnessed any racism. I did witness off color things that I think, you know, if if I'm being frank, in a lot of ownership, not all of them, but like people with with those type of resources and they're used to having their way and, sh- and shit like that, yeah. it's gonna happen. It was tough to read that that the, mm-hmm. the findings of that investigation. I will say that, um, but I, I did want to get your take on that. I want to switch gears though, Steve. I did I did some research. Well, the easiest part of the resource is that you have uh, four titles as a, as a head coach. That was easy. But of the uh, five coaches <laughs> that have uh, won four or more titles, I'm going to read these names. There's, uh, there's, there's Steve Kerr. There's uh, John Kudla of uh, Minneapolis Lakers. Yeah, had to go back into that one. Yeah. Uh, Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, Red Auerbach, and Phil Jackson. Now, three of those four guys coached well into their 60s. You are 56, sir. Do you see yourself coaching into like the 60s and the 70s and, you know, maybe 80s? I don't know. You in good health, you might be able to do it. How, how long do you see yourself doing this? I don't know. I, I love doing it. I mean, that's the, the main thing is that I really enjoy waking up and want to practice every day. So as long as I'm enjoying it, I'm going to keep doing it. I, there's nothing else that I would rather be doing. I would not be great, you know, retiring and, you know, sitting around and, you know, sleeping in and, playing golf every day. That wouldn't be ideal for me. Um, so I love what I do. I love working with the people I work with. I've been incredibly lucky to coach Steph, Draymond, Clay, Andre, this whole group, this whole core. So they're still here and, uh, and, you know, so am I. So I feel blessed just to be in this position, but you just kind of go year by year and you see how everything goes. And I don't really think too much about, you know, what's going to be happening two, three years from now. You know, I, known Steve since he played and then you know when he worked with sons like when, when he busted Joe ass when he, he busted Joe ass he fucking in busted da- our Dallas ass. fuck man <laughs> who'd you guys play you guys played New Jersey you beat New Jersey in the finals that year was it New Jersey yeah oh yeah but they also beat the Lakers they also beat my like 03 Lakers which really hurt they they, they beat them in six that year. I would yeah who was bad I mean we had to go through the Kings that year the Kings were good too that was like Webb and Vlade and Peja that was a that was a. Are you making West. excuses right now? No, 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 no. Dirk got hurt. Uh, the oh, excuse okay. I will make is Dirk got hurt. <laughs> Dirk got hurt. Hey, well, Roger, was that the year you guys were up 3-0 on Portland and they tied it at three and you won game seven? Was that you on that? Oh, shit. Oh, oh, shit. Yes. Was. That was that was a terrifying series. If yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would love to know from you, what did that feel like? I mean, nobody's ever lost a 3-0 lead. And they win the next three. Yeah. So they didn't. If I, so I had a really hot and cold relationship with Nelly in terms of playing time. Like I always loved Nelly, but he like I started half the games and then I didn't play in like half the games. So it was like hit or miss. Um, I did not play much in that series at all, Steve. So it was really it was really scary and helpless. And I just, you know, I was like just the nervous. I couldn't get any of that out because I couldn't hoop. Yeah. You know, and it was yeah. it was tough. Scotty was like on his old long vet mode, just tying stuff together. Bonzi was a beast. Um, man, my question. Oh, my question for you was like, when did when did you know that? Like, no, seriously, like 
you had a bunch of great mentors as coaches, but you were in the front office and, and like, when were you like, yo, this isn't it. I want to, I, that's what I want to do. Like I'm built for that. A uh, couple of weeks into the GM yeah. job. <laughs> really? Wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. 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 I, I, I did not love being upstairs. I like being on the court. Yeah. I like being with the players. I like being in practice. I like the camaraderie, the relationships that come with being in the fight rather than sort of looking down on the fight. I wasn't, I, I never felt like I was very good at the job. I needed to, to grow into it. And it was, you remember this, I came in at a time where the team was really good, but, you know, maybe just, just yeah. on the backside, you know, and, and so it was a really tough spot to come into when I just didn't have the experience that, that I probably needed. And uh, so I didn't really feel like I was effective and good at the job and, and I felt removed from the team. And so I kind of knew right away that this was not a long-term thing that I wanted to get into coaching eventually. Yeah, that's it. It's, I had, a, I mean, I didn't go into, I had, my family was really young, Steve. And I don't know, it, Logan probably knows this, but I took the job with Griff when I went to Cleveland, um, kind of trying to learn the ropes, you know, of, mm -hmm. of behind the scenes and, you know, try to see where that took me. And not unlike you, like it was pretty quick where I was like, you don't have the same like access. You don't have your hands in it the same way. It's cool, but you're not a part of the product in the way you're used to being a part of the product. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. I told Bob Myers, it's like when you're, uh, you go to a family reunion, you know, if, if you're a coach, like you're, you're the dad in the family reunion. You know, if you're the GM, you're like the second cousin, you know, you're kind of on the outskirts, like you're not really sure who that is. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's a different feeling. You it know? is. It's like, it is. You get this, you get this, you get the side eye when you're around, everybody's looking at you. Yeah. Oh, you know, GM walked in. No, nobody's happy to see you. You know, right. and I was like, a weird it's a weird there was a great moment on the floor, like the parquet floor after game six, after the Warriors won, where like, Steve, I'm just going to say, dog, you were in a bag. You were just in a, like, in a different, like, I don't know how lit you were at that point, but I remember you walking, <laughs> you and Bob Myers were walking on the floor. I don't know. I know Bob didn't have no shoes on, but I don't, I think you might not have had shoes on either. I'm not sure. But Bob, I think, said something about, like, the draft coming up. Like, oh, shit, we got to get ready. And you take a <laughs> swig of your of – your, he takes a swig of his champagne and is like – and then walks off. <laughs> is that what you – he's like – I think it was to, like, some media interview, but he looks at Bob as like, mm. and then, yeah, like, says, <laughs> walks off. my job. Is that is that how no, you is that goodness. why it's Ray better right now for you to be a coach than a GM? Is that was that what is good good? Like you ain't got to oh, think that's, about that's, that in the way that Bob does. Yeah, no, it's true, it's true, and and Bob and I are best of friends, and and uh, and by the way, he he's. He's the, he's the dad at the family reunion, you know, with our franchise. Oh, that was the first time I realized that. <laughs> it was the first time yeah. I realized that. Yeah. Like he's, he's right in the thick of it because he's, you know, he really uh, has such a close relationship with Draymond and, and Steph and Andre. And he's, he's been here long enough where those relationships are, are rock solid. But, uh, but I, I think, you know, Bob and I are such good friends um, and I trust him so much, but, the difficulty of the GM job uh, is that you have, if you're the GM, you can make any move you want. There's a million moves. Really, there's an unlimited number of moves you can make, right? You can do anything you want. It's a blank canvas and you, you get to paint. But if you're the coach, the move, the players are there. You look at the, you look at the puzzle and you go, all right, here's how I'm going to figure it out. So think about the difference in that. Like as a coach, you have, answers that you can find on film, you know, and on the practice floor. But as a GM, you're looking at guys in college around the NBA, you're thinking about putting a team together. That's intimidating um, to, to, to try to put a group together um, from scratch that when the possibilities are literally endless, that's a difficult job. No, it is. It's like going shop. It's like going shopping and being like a professional food buyer but you can't cook it. Like you could get all these ingredients and then you got to trust some other knucklehead to cook the shit. You're like, no, 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 no. It's like, it's like y'all yeah. buying me food to cook. It, it's not, it's there. Correct. I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Uh, Steve, I, I, you talked about Bob and 
I know last season, you know, there was we didn't know where it was going to go, but we, you guys also had a lot of guys under contract for this season coming up. So there was a little leeway of like what your roster, there was a lot more certainty of what your roster was going to look like this, this season coming up next year, the roster's pretty uncertain with some core guys, right? Andrew Wiggins is one. And you know, mm-hmm. the, I don't want to get into the business of it, but it is a, you know, it's, is there a certain level of urgency or a certain level of, um, oomph, we got to get it done this season. If we're going to win a title, versus last season where it was like, okay, we don't know what's going on. We're kind of figuring things out. Do you do you see a different level of urgency this season? No, because we actually did win a title, you know, like like sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Know, the, the, the reset button. Yeah. So it's really more about let's get greedy. You know, like like I think what you're talking about is really definitely a, a thing with teams that are contending that haven't gotten over the hump yet. Uh, so when, mm-hmm. once you have gotten over the hump, now it becomes, all right, we're playing with a little house money. We got nothing to prove. And yet if we don't find an edge and we don't have something to really dig our teeth into, then we're in trouble because everybody else is coming after us. So it's a slightly different position to be in. Um, but I think with our guys, they're so competitive. I talked about Steph Clay's a killer. Draymond's a killer. Um, these guys want to win so badly that um, they want to get greedy and they want another one. And they know, you know, we're, we're good enough to do it again. So we're going to, we're going to give it our best shot. Yeah. I think you guys have an interesting mix too. Like usually you talk about people's windows kind of aligning, right. And you got a lot of that, but you also have people within those windows that have, you know, to the point you made earlier, where like they're at different places kind of in their career. Like, like clay is going to be, hungry in a different way, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're coming mm-hmm. back and that's just infusing more edge into your, into your thing. You got the Kamingas and, and the, uh, you know, players like that, they're just going to infuse a little bit more edge because of what they're trying to prove, you know, maybe personally within the, the collective, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I did have a question and I know you've kind of alluded to not knowing that that was a championship team and stuff, but like, dude, everybody comes into training camp and they're like, all right, goal is to win a championship. We're going to do this and that. And so I want to know, like, at what point last year did you guys, like, privately say, oh, shit, like, we're, yeah, we 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 could have mm-hmm. something here. This could be more than we think, more than we thought it was going into camp. Yeah, I think, I think for me, it was the Christmas Day game in Phoenix. We went in there and beat them and I, we were shorthanded. Um, I think we were missing Jordan Poole. Maybe even Wiggins, you know, I think both COVID related and we went in there and, you know, a marquee game against the team with the best record and and beat them on the road. There was just such a good vibe. Mm-hmm. That game felt like we all kind of walked away going, you know what, we're, we're good enough to do this. And um, we just got off to such a good start. We later on in the year, we, we ran into some tough times. I think we lost six in a row at one point in, in March. And uh, so it wasn't always easy, but we got off to such a good start that we, we gave ourselves a lot of confidence and, and leeway early. And we felt like, okay, we got a shot. I remember talking to you, I think during the all-star break or like right the game, right before the all-star break. And it just seemed like everybody needed a rest because you guys went so hard in the beginning of the season, like had the best record and Steph was playing like an MVP, but he was carrying a lot of that load to start that season with clay out. How do you manage Steph this season? What, what is your, how do you, how do you go about that? Is it more of a balanced approach or is it kind of like wherever Steph takes you? No, I mean, we'd like to be more calculated uh, in managing his minutes. Um, you know, over the years, we've been deep enough to play him 32 minutes most most years. Uh, then last year, that bumped up, I think, over 34. May not sound like much, but I think over the course of a season, I think it matters. And so with our depth, with the emergence of Jordan Poole, with Clay back all year, you know, with some of our young guys uh, hopefully taking that next step, um, we feel like, um, you know, hopefully we can manage Steph's minutes a little bit more in his games and and have him really fresh and, and ready for, for the playoffs. You know, the, the other thing is like you, you, you always go in with a plan and then, you know, the old line, you, you go and you go fight Mike Tyson, you got a plan and then he hits you in the face and you got to have a new plan, right? Like last year, you know, we had, we had a plan and then Draymond got hurt second half of the year and we started um, that that led to our tailspin. Um, Draymond Draymond's presence is so crucial for us, 
he is in many ways our barometer. We know what Steph and, and Clay are going to do. You can watch them light it up, uh, and Wiggs and Jordan, but Draymond does all the the stuff that maybe you don't recognize. And then all of a sudden he's gone and you're losing and you're like, what, what's, you know, what's the problem? <laughs> when Draymond went out, we started losing. It's no coincidence. So Draymond's health is really key uh, for us this year. And we got to, we got to do a good job of, um, you know, helping him through the year and helping him be, you know, ready to go for the, for the playoffs and, and you know, in, in as good, strong shape as possible. When I watch you guys play Steve, right? Just NBA in general, like a lot more freedom of movement, less like overall structure. I think people don't realize that you guys actually have a little bit more structure than they think you have. But my question is when you're integrating young players that are getting increasingly younger or trying to integrate them into that system, like do, do you find the, the, the more open read based stuff is easier for them to adapt to than maybe the old the old school, like, hey, we're, we're getting into floppy. We're going to run our hawk, like wedge fist or whatever. Um, do, do you think it's easier now or do you think it would have been easier if there was just more structure around them? Because you guys have a lot of read-based, playing mm-hmm. off a of feel, like a lot of stuff like that. It's not that easy to teach that all the time. Right, right. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I remember when I was playing in Chicago, you know, in the triangle, you had guys come in every year and some of them picked up the triangle like that. And some of them couldn't, couldn't figure it out. Right. And um, even though we don't have an offense that's, you know, immediately identifiable, like the triangle, it's the same concept applies. If, if a guy knows how to play basketball, if he understands spacing and cutting and movement, he's going to fit into our offense pretty well. But really, you know, what makes us unique is Steph's off ball movement. You know, there aren't teams that have a point guard, uh, you know, a high screen and roll point guard who then gets off the ball and starts flying off screens like he's J.J. Redick or Reggie Miller, right? So that's really unique. Most most guys in high pick and roll around the league, they give up the ball and they stand. Well, Steph was a two guard growing up. And so between Steph's unique off ball ability and Draymond's unique kind of point center, point forward game, there's a lot of nuance that you kind of have to feel. And so some of the stuff we drill every day and some of it is just the guys who feel it like Juan, Juan Toscano Anderson was a great example. Like he just, Juan just knows how to play basketball. Right. Fit, fit in right away. He, he understood all the fake handbacks. Hey, Steve, go. can you say that one more time to this guy, Raja, real quick? Because Raja was on the outs on JTA in the beginning. And then we, no, no, and no, then, no. And then, I no, and then no, we got, no, 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 hold on. And then we got him on the pod. Then we got him on the pod. And then Raja found out that JTA is like cut from his cloth and like fell in love with yeah, the beginning. He, he was like, it was like, oh, I was like, yeah. oh, no. So just so say that one more time. JTA knew basketball. Juan's my guy. Juan's a fighter and he's, he understands the game. He's got great feel. And, yeah. and so, you know, Moses Moody is a guy who like, you can, you watch him for five minutes and you go, okay, that guy's got great feel. And if you have feel, then you start to recognize all those Steph Curry patterns and you understand how to play off of Draymond Green. And, and you, you know, that's why we've, we've always been a team that's been pretty unique because Steph and Draymond are very unique. What was the biggest thing you learned, uh, you know, the first iteration when you guys had young guys? I'm thinking the set when I well, at least when I was around you guys, you guys, you know, you had the J uh, Jordan Bells, the the um, Pat McCaws, the um, Damian uh, Damian Jones. Those guys all show potential. It just didn't work out because you guys were fighting for titles, right? And you guys had a veteran team, and it was hard to develop on the back end. What was the biggest lesson you learned during that time that you used to, you know, have the uh, Jordan Poole success and the uh, Moses Moody success last year um, and Kaminga and those guys? What was the biggest lesson you learned from five years ago to, like, to now that you put into place with these new guys? I just think we've gotten better organizationally. You know, our our between day between game practices are much better organized. We added uh, some some coaches to our staff: uh, Kenny Atkinson, uh, Jama Mahalela, guys who are really good with development. I think we developed a better, uh, tighter relationship with Santa Cruz with our G League team. And so our player development machine has really made dramatic improvements so that when guys aren't playing much in, in the games, uh, they're still getting a lot better in the in-between. That's where we've made a lot of strides. 
All right. Well, sounds good, man. Well, it's I guess for the mantra for Golden State is time to get greedy. So, you know, we'll see how you, that plays out. Um, I will see you in a couple of weeks to annoy the shit out of you per usual. I will see you at media day and I will um, we'll go from there, man. And we need to get Roger to California to a game or get Roger when you go to Miami. Let's get Roger to a Warriors game. I've been trying to get him to do it. I, okay, we'll all right. See. I've been to one game and yeah. went. Yeah, I went to see Brooklyn play last year, Steve. Because he went to go see yeah. Steve Nash, no but yeah. he wouldn't. I'll come, come see Golden State play. Go see I'll go see Golden all State right. play. Right. They're, they're like they're, I'm not going all to see right. too many teams play, man. You know, I'm like an old curmudgeon like that. We'll take care of you, Roger. We'll get you tickets. You bring bring your kids. Come on, come My on, man. let's go, My man. You know what yeah, I need? Yeah, yeah. I need to call the University of Arizona football, Steve Kerr. That's what I need, Logan. Mm, because we got to Oh, hey. Off air, off air, off air, off air. Oh, okay, 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 okay. okay. All right, cut that out. We're getting it, right, we're getting it turned around. We're getting it turned around. Yes, sir. Jeff <laughs> Fish, my man is we'll, doing. We'll he's cut doing that out. Yes, sir. No, no, you keep this in here. <laughs> I'll keep this in. Ah, keep it in. Okay, I've been overruled. There we go. We I have a question back. for you, Steve. Are yeah. you guys in need of a quarterback from Florida in the next four years? Are you guys in need of a four years down the road? And are you guys in need of a quarterback? Uh, if if he's really good, yeah, is his he's, he's already is in like the elite name? eleven system right now. Is his last name chill, Bell? bro? Chill, chill, chill. He got a couple follows from University of Arizona the other day. He showed me on Twitter. He, he got some that. Yeah, and then also he, he took his visit to Notre Dame recently. Chill, took a visit bro. to Texas recently. Okay, my bad. You put it all on the internet. I'm sorry. All right, all time right. for Roger to go pick up his kids. That was another edition of Real Ones. We'll see you guys soon. Holla.